My name is Jesse. I've been here before. If I haven't met you, I uh, got to plant a church called Christ the King. We've been active for about a year. We're still there. The Lord has blessed us, and I want to thank you all for your prayers. The last two months especially have been a gift to us. We've seen new folks come in, see the Lord meet people in special ways, and so we're very thankful for that, and we continue to journey. Please continue to pray for us, Christ the King, and if you're ever bored or miss church in the morning, we meet at 4.30, so come join us. We'd love to welcome you. Well, uh, because of this unfortunate series of events, today is going to be a shorter sermon. One of the joys sometimes of being Anglican is that you get to hear a homily instead of a full-length sermon, and all the children in the room said, amen, right? Well, today we're going to look at the gospel, which is Matthew chapter 4. If you want to open your Bibles there, what we just heard read. And this gospel passage of Matthew 4, sometimes it's Luke 4, often falls at the beginning of Lent because it describes a time when Jesus was driven into the wilderness for time of humbling, for shaping, and for testing. And as we consider this passage together, because it's a homily, a shorter message, I want to draw two encouragements that we can take from this passage that hopefully will speak to us in our lives and in our journey specifically now as we walk through Lent not only as Trinity, but with Anglicans and other liturgical people all around the world entering into this time of Lent together. The first encouragement comes from the context, which again, Matthew 4 starts with this idea that Jesus is driven out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And entering into the wilderness, he goes there for 40 days, which is in parallel to the 40 days that we embrace during Lent for a time of fasting, temptation, or sometimes the Greek word is translated testing. It's a time for Jesus to walk into his new identity as representing the new Adam and the new Israel. And one of the themes that you see throughout the entire scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is that God often meets his people in a special way as they walk into the wilderness. Now, of course, God is always present with us. He's always walking with us. He's present in every single detail and action in our life. God is always with us. But something you'll find through the scriptures is that for some reason, God oftentimes chooses to meet his people in a special way in the wilderness. You can see that with the nation of Israel. You can see it with Moses. You can see it with many of the patriarchs, with Elijah, with many of the prophets that God often shows up in the wilderness. It's a place where people are missing the comforts that they depend on, a place where they feel hunger, where their resources are depleted. Perhaps he meets them and us in a special way in the wilderness because finally bereft of all of our comforts and all the things that we depend on and all the things we've built up in our lives to make our life easier and to walk in, perhaps in the wilderness, it's a place where we're finally open to listen with clarity. And we finally know who and on whom we depend for all things. It was part of Jesus being fully God and fully man. The Spirit drives him into the wilderness. And the first temptation that he encounters after 40 days of fasting is that Satan comes to him and says, hey, hey, Jesus, see those rocks? Why don't you just turn them into bread? Now, uh, I'm sure the kids in the room can agree with me here. What's so wrong with changing rocks into bread? In fact, wouldn't that be kind of cool? Right, kids? Yeah. Okay, good. See, it's now a kid's sermon. This is awesome. 
And I, every time I read that, especially growing up, I'd say, what's the big deal with turning rocks into bread? That's not a sin, right? How is this a temptation? Well, we can see in the answer that Jesus gives that he knew, he knew why God had driven him into the wilderness. He says to Satan, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when Jesus says this, he's referencing Deuteronomy 8, which is a speech that Moses was giving to the nation of Israel as they were walking through the wilderness. And just to give you some context, I'll read a few lines from that speech. He says this, And you shall remember, this is what Moses is saying to the people, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know that what was in your heart, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus knew that he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness for a specific purpose. And that purpose was that he would be formed, that he would walk into his identity as the new Israel and as the new Adam, and that he would be prepared to go back into the world to proclaim the coming of God's kingdom, to inaugurate God's new kingdom. So turning bread, excuse me, turning stones into bread isn't a sin, isn't necessarily a temptation in that way, in that sense. But in this case, it would have been Jesus taking matters into his own hands instead of trusting in the plans and the provisions of his Father for all that he wanted to do for him. Now for us, sometimes God drives us involuntarily into the wilderness. Say, hypothetically speaking, you crack a rib playing the most extreme sport and manly sport called pickleball, perhaps autobiographical. And because of that rib injury and not being able to sleep, you take so much Advil that your body breaks out into anaphylactic mini shock, your lips swell and all that. So that's what happened to me last night. Uh, But I say, and I'm not just saying this as a pastor to be uh, cheesy, I say that any time of wilderness and weakness is a time to turn to the Lord. And the Lord has met me, especially in the last two weeks, slowing me down, causing me to have pain, not even being able to laugh, bending over because I'm laughing, has really slowed me down. I had a lot of plans for the last two weeks. The Lord has slowed me down and he's met me in that wilderness. Now for us, Lent can be a way of voluntary wilderness. And perhaps I suggest you enter into it voluntarily so that the Lord doesn't send it upon you. No, I'm kidding. Lent can be a time of voluntary wilderness where we reduce what we depend on, where we embrace a degree of hunger, where we remove from us some of the comforts and the noise that we're used to. Perhaps we add something of value in terms of spiritual practice. It's not to be religious. It's not to join a club. It's not to be a good Anglican. We enter into the wilderness of any kind so that we have more clarity to hear the words of God and to we know whom we depend on in our life for all things. So I want to encourage you this season, consider enter into Lent, enter into the wilderness to let God speak so that we can walk with him, so that we can know him better. So real quickly, Jesus goes on to face two more temptations. Satan comes to him and says, 
You see this, uh, you see this tower? Jump off of it. You know, get the GoPro out, get some sweet YouTube footage that you can jump off. The Pharisees will be there. They'll never be able to deny your power anyways. It'll be a fast track to you being Lord and King of the earth. So go ahead and jump off this tower. The angels will catch you after all. Jesus responds by saying, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall not presume upon him. You shall not take your expectations and project them on God the Father, but rather you should respond to him and walk in the way that he's guided you. Jesus responds, and then Satan comes again and says, bow to me and I'll give you all the nations of the earth. This was an interesting temptation because after all, Jesus did come for all the nations of the earth. And Satan here is offering him a shortcut, saying, if you just bow to me now, you have everything that you came here for. The nations will bow to you. Think of all the justice that you could enact. Think of all the people that you could help. Think of all the nations that would bow to you. Only now you can get that without the suffering, without the pain, without the cross, without the passion, and without dealing with those pesky Pharisees. Just bow to me now, and you have everything. Of course, Jesus responds and says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. You resist Satan, and the devil flees from him. So first encouragement I want to give you very quickly is enter into the wilderness, seek him. The second one is this, and I'll end this very quickly. God calls us to trust in his plans and his provisions for our lives. And in response to his loving grace, we should do that with all of our hearts. Respond to temptations by resisting and offering all of ourselves to God. And since that's really, 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 really hard for us to do, here's the good news. We will fail. (laughs) Actually, that's not the good news. But the good news is embedded in the broader movement of this passage and what it represents. Now, if you zoom out on this passage and you consider where it sits in the scriptures and you think about what it actually mirrors, it's mirroring the journey of Israel. Israel was fleeing from bondage that they were in Egypt, and then for 40 years they were in the wilderness. Jesus is in the wilderness here for 40 days, and every time Jesus is tempted, he references back to the time when Israel was in bond or was in the wilderness in, in Deuteronomy. And what you see here, if you trace, if you lay over the two passages, what you see here is that every time that Israel failed, every time that Israel failed, Jesus was successful. So when Israel was told to trust in God's provision for manna, they didn't listen and they hoarded manna for themselves. Jesus did not turn stones into bread. When Israel felt discomfort and they presumed upon God at the rock of Meribah and they said, God, you owe us water. Jesus did not presume or put God to the test. When Israel wanted the right thing for their nation, which was for their nation to be established, but they wanted to do it with a shortcut, they got a king and they bowed to idols. Jesus did not bow to Satan. So here's the good news that I want to leave you with as you walk through Lent. When Israel failed, Jesus didn't. And when we fail, Jesus won't. So that means if we fall into sin, we can turn to him and lean on his perfection and wrap ourselves in his righteousness. And that's what the Father sees in us. And when we face temptation, when we face temptation, he meets us in his struggles, and, he, and we can lean in on his strength. So as you walk together through this wilderness, I want to encourage you to lean in on the strength of Jesus. And also warn you, be careful if you ever pray for sermon illustrations, because God might make your body a living sermon illustration. 
God loves us. He's here with us. I just want to end this by reading the collect that I read earlier, and we can just pray together. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weakness of each of us, let us, each one of us, find you mighty to save through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.